Why did oil prices go negative? And when will we all start seeing big savings at the gas pump? Will we? That and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast, coming to you from Lake Mayapak in Putnam County, New York. Wow. Coming to you from Oakland County, Michigan, outside of Detroit, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihi. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape. We break those down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money, your financial life in Google Sheets updated automatically each day. Man, you're stuck at home. Why not get your financial picture in order? Head to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more. You can try it out and you'll get 20% off if you use our link. That's uh, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Bobby, we had a weird thing happen earlier this week. Oil prices went negative, which I think meant we could each get some big barrels and oil companies would pay us to take it. How great would that be? Um, Not so much. I don't know. I don't know about that. This whole thing, I have to be honest with you. I had to, you know, I know a little bit about finance and all that stuff, but this, I was really confused. I mean, you explained it to me. I consulted some other people that we'll talk to, talk about but I didn't get it. I thought it was really weird. So I'm right in there with a lot of our audience that this made no sense to me. Well, and that's the, uh, in the excitement here, we've got a lot of people, uh, novice investors thinking, well, oil can't stay low forever. So we should probably invest here. We'll give our opinion on that as well. Let's kick it off though, by having one of our friends start today's show. This is Lacey from the Military Money Show. Money headlines explain six days a week, that can only mean you are tuned in to Money with Friends. All right. This article that we are going to read comes from New York Magazine. It is by Josh Barrow, and it is titled, How Oil Prices Can Go Negative. The mass closure of restaurants has led to a national oversupply of green beans. Americans apparently don't eat as many fresh green beans as they did when they were home. Oh, do I have the wrong... Nope, no, oh. no, that's actually the way it starts. <laughs> this is the way it starts. Oh my goodness, because I actually, I put this together a couple of days ago and now I'm looking at it. All right, so even if people want more green beans to cook at home, producers also have difficulty switching on a dime to serving the commercial market, from serving the commercial market to the retail market. So, that, you know, they used to sell to restaurants, now they yeah. sell to actual people. So it's a little trickier. But at least they're making an analogy here. But at least the farmers um, with too many green beans don't have to pay someone to take their excess green beans. They don't even have to pay someone to pick the green beans. They can just plow them back into the soil, plant again, and hopefully somebody will want to buy the green beans in a few months. For this reason, the price of green beans cannot go below zero. But what do you do if nobody wants the crude oil that comes out of your oil well? You can't just dump it on the ground or pour it into a river or burn it. The EPA wouldn't take kindly to that. You also generally can't just turn the well off if you want the option to get oil from it in the future. Oil wells are expensive to drill and you think prices will be positive again in the future. So you don't want to lose the well. But in the meantime, oil is going to keep coming out of the well and you have to get to take it off your hands, even if that means paying someone to do it. 
That is why the price of crude oil can go below zero, at least for some period of time. So on Monday, so earlier this week, the price of West Texas intermediate oil futures for delivery in May fell to negative $37 per barrel. You should not read too much into this as an indicator of ongoing prices of crude oil, let alone gasoline. Tuesday is the last day. So that already passed to trade. So this was coming up on the end of the futures contract. So Tuesday, the day after Monday was the last day to trade this futures contract for oil to be delivered in May. And if you get stuck holding an oil futures contract after trading ends, drum roll, you may be obligated to actually take delivery of actual crude oil. So investors who aren't actually in refining or other oil consuming fields have to get rid of their contracts. And that led to some screwy activity in a market with thin trading. The futures contract for June trading around $17 per barrel as of, you know, Tuesday morning, may be a better indication of the sort of crude oil prices we can expect to see in the next few weeks. And by the way, I did check that's where it's trading around now. Um, but positive, but far below the pre-crisis levels. The June futures contract has been trading near 50, had been trading near above $50 a barrel as recently as February 26. Okay, Joe, that was just ugly. You take it over. Yeah, you might be wondering, uh, and I was, if crude oil is essentially free right now and expected to still be very cheap in June, why am I still paying $2 a gallon for gasoline? Well, there's a couple answers to this. One, is that you can't put crude oil in your gas tank. You need a refiner to make gasoline from the crude oil and oil refiners have cut their production. Some refineries have closed entirely. This disconnect, refiners shrinking production while extractors continue to produce, is why charges for oil storage have skyrocketed and market participants are worried about running out of places to put crude oil. The other factor has to do with the operations of gas stations. They're able to buy gasoline much more cheaply at wholesale than they could a couple months ago, but they're also selling much less volume of gasoline. As such, they then need a higher markup per gallon to cover their non-fuel costs than they used to. And average retail gasoline prices are only down 97 cents per gallon from a year earlier, even with wholesale prices down a buck 51. Normally, falling crude oil prices provide benefits to consumers that go a long way to offset the economic costs from lower income to oil company owners and workers. But it's not obvious when and how much you will get to enjoy any benefit from this price crash. You're not driving much now. And in the medium term, oil producers will cut back on production. When the economy gets going again, they'll be slow to start production back up in the same way they're slow to shut it down right now. Market participants expect oil prices next year to be over $30 a barrel, which means as the economy restarts, you should be able to enjoy lower gas prices than you saw in 2019. When gas stations have a normal volume of customers, they'll face more pressure to pass fuel cost cuts onto them. But if and when the economy gets back to roaring, the bust for oil producers in the current crash should lead to a more constrained supply that could push prices up. So I hear that, Bobby, and the very first thing that I thought when I heard that is buy low, sell high, right? Let's go buy some oil. Might not be that easy. No, it's really complicated, apparently. And you taught me a lot about this. And I also consulted my dad, who'd been in the oil business for a lot of his career. And it's really confusing. What's going to happen, essentially, though, is, you know, long, this was a crunch because people don't want to actually have the oil delivered to them. And it was just a weird, very temporary situation. The truth is the industry is going to adapt. 
And we've already heard that OPEC plus, which is a, the group that also I think includes Russia, they're already cutting production and the industry will make the appropriate adjustments. Um, but look, the storage facilities were being filled as demand demand fell very suddenly in large part because of this quarantine, people weren't driving. So then they were using all of these places to store oil and then they just started getting really filled up. And then you had this weird situation right as the contract was coming due. So the May contract was ending. And then literally one day later, you're into June and things are sort of normal. I mean, obviously $17 a barrel is much lower, but it's a positive number. And the other thing that was explained to me is that there are a lot of costs that go into oil besides just the actual oil. There's all the transportation and the refining that has to be done. And so that still has to be priced in. And of course, the place selling it has to make a profit. So yep. oil is not free. No and it, no and from an investment point of view Bobby the the thing that uh, I keep reading over and over is that the amateurs people like uh, most people I think that listen to this show enthusiasts are going to say wow this is low so they're going to go buy maybe an oil ETF and the problem is is that oil does not have to go up anytime soon and just because it's low now doesn't mean it's going to not stay low times are different that this morning for stacking benjamins is an example I uh, uh, interviewed a woman who is in uh, human resources and talking about the changing nature of work. And I asked her, do you think that things are going to change permanently? And she said, absolutely. And an interesting thing is in the American, and this is, there are so many little things like what I'm about to tell you going on that uh, the average investor doesn't know. The Americans with Disabilities Act, she told me, uh, uh, had provisions in it that said that people had to go to the office because people working from home couldn't do the same work. And so whenever there were lawsuits for people with disabilities, companies were always able to hide behind, you can't work as well at home as you can in the office. Clearly now, companies have had to change their stance there, which means that you will see a bunch of lawsuits potentially if people aren't allowed to still work from home, which means when it comes to oil prices, we may never, Bobby, see people driving as much as they used to drive. We may see a lot more people working from home. The nature of school may change overall as we adapt very quickly to online learning. So um, just because prices are low doesn't mean it's going to go back up. And one more thing here in my little diatribe is that prices are always low for a reason. And the first thing to do before you buy anything that's low is try to understand as much of that reason as possible before you buy. Because it's only when you understand why the pros have priced it this low that you understand what the downside is before you go jump in. Certainly, at some point, oil will go higher. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know that it'll beat the S&P 500, you know, so investing in the S&P 500 is still a lot safer than betting on oil. Will oil win or not? Time will tell. Yes, because there's also a lot of factors that can control oil because it's not always driven by market forces. We do have groups like OPEC that can control right. supply and demand and that, um, or I'm sorry, control supply, I should say. Yeah. And that is a factor. I also think it's really important that you brought up the idea that people rush to capitalize on this. I want to bring up a CNBC piece that was recently published and it's titled Young Investors Rush Into Struggling Oil ETF That Isn't Even Tracking the Price of Oil Anymore. And it talks about this. <laughs> and again, this, I'm not, I'm not a specialist in oil. I don't understand a lot of this, which is why I was doing a lot of research on it. And it does say that USO is the 
ticker, I guess, the ETF symbol, was the most bought stock on Robinhood and by far the highest volume trade on SoFi. Um, the ETF saw a 300% increase in ownership month over month, but apparently this is no longer... Um, tracking oil really it says the article this is a cnbc article says some millennial investors have been duped by a complex oil etf that is struggling to stay alive and it talks about the fact that they mistakenly thought this fund was a proxy for the spot or cash price of oil and bought in as its price plummeted but it isn't the purpose of this etf is to track the front month of oil futures contracts so it's been the the top the most bought name on on robin hood at least and um you know, this oh, is something no. that a lot of people have been falling into. Um, so, you know, retail investors, I'm just reading from the CNBC piece, investors buying the fund likely aren't even aware that it is no longer tracking oil prices in lockstep. The fund has apparently been training, changing its structure and CNBC um, asked them that and the, the, uh, person running the fund, the company's chief marketing officer told CNBC, quote, due to extraordinary market conditions in the crude oil markets, including Super Contango, USO has invested in other permitted investments as described in the prospectus. So that's a big investor caveat. So all these people that are, you know, it's it's getting all this action on SoFi and on um, with SoFi investors and Robinhood are believing that they're buying into you know, a, a low price that's going to rebound. But in fact, because the prospectus allows this ETF to buy different things, oh, they are no. not doing what people think they're doing. So it just shows you have to really be careful when you buy something based on the the label that they call a fund, whether it's a fund or an ETF. If the prospectus allows them to change what they're actually buying, you need to ask questions and be aware of that. I mean, that's crazy. This is this is where the little guy gets burned again because they don't do research. Where the 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 pro doesn't make that same mistake. That's that's really horrible. That's yeah. it's it's very frustrating. And certainly, a platform like Robinhood is is a place where investors are really going to not have a lot of information when they make their trades. So, um, yeah, that's frustrating. Wow. Hey, yeah, uh, we, I said I didn't understand a lot of this, so I'm not doing anything. But um, you know, some people are jumping in. I went to jump in immediately uh, when it was down going, you know what? I thought oil can't stay low forever. And I thought this is a fantastic thing. In fact, there was a three minute moment where I thought I was going to put everything into this because of the fact that I thought that this was such a quick market inefficiency. I was going to bet the farm that the oil came back, but I did what I always do, Bobby. I went out and I started researching and I saw that a lot of people are going to get burned doing this and you see why people are going to get burned because in June there's a good chance in June because of the lack of storage facilities we're going to see the same thing happen again and then we may see it happen again in July and again in August so if it happens month over month over month oil's going nowhere soon um, lots of people are going to have uh, imagine the shell truck in front of your house because you held on to the futures too long that would just be that'd be horrible <laughs> But look, the oil producers are certainly going to do everything they can to cut um, to cut their production. Sure. So we'll see. Yeah. And I like that explanation about refineries, too, about refineries curtailing stuff because of the fact they just don't have as many people driving. So and obviously uh, gas stations have fixed costs. So that's that's uh, difficult. We're we're doing today's show live on YouTube and uh, JM Boots is with us. Chris is with us. Hey, guys. Uh, JM Boots says, I would not cry if oil stayed down for good. <laughs> And, and certainly, I think there's a lot of people going, hey, I kind of like these prices. Somebody was saying uh, on um, 
on Facebook, my cousin had a very funny meme that said, uh, Bobby said that uh, we're all talking about what we're watching on TV. We all have frizzy hair and uh, uh, oil prices or, or gas prices are nearing a dollar. It must be the 70s all over again. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe well, so. The 70s, maybe I look, I was barely, you know, I was a child in the seventies, but, um, I thought the seventies there were gas lines. Was there gas? There was gas That's shortage. true. Yeah. Near the end of right? the seventies. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe Peggy was talking about the early. Well, even then though, even though there were gas yeah. shortages, I still remember gas price. Then gas prices at a dollar was a big deal. I mean, that was high, you know, but with inflation, we think of that as incredibly low. So pretty funny. Hey, we, we also, my mom to wait for gas like every other day you could go or something crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. But you uh, put this on Instagram too. We had an interesting question today. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Um, actually, uh, our producer, Ashley, put it on Instagram for us. So let's see. Um, we asked our friends, are you buying oil oil ETF or oil stock. So what did our Instagram friends say? Well, I'm hoping based on the conversation that we had today, that the answer is close to zero people doing it. We're looking at a lot of people getting burned though. So I'm going to say 80% are saying no, 20% are saying yes. You are so good at this, Joe. So good. Um, It was 87 to 13 in favor of So that's darn close. That's really good, Joe. I feel bad for the 13 because I, I strongly think they don't know what they're getting into. I hope they do, but I think they don't know what they're getting into. And, and I hope they, they I hope if they bought an oil ETF, it wasn't actually an oil ETF. (laughs) Good point. Well, and I hope they win. I I do hope they win because we're not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying there's a lot of uncertainty Uh, in those responses. I didn't see the percentages, but you did send me the responses ahead of time. Uh, uh, T Bellinger 13 said, I'm hopeful we'll move away from oil and to cleaner energy sources in the near future. Uh, Hitty Gritty said uh, way too much risk done this before. Sounds like uh, Hitty Gritty touched the stove before and learned a valuable lesson. Uh, uh, M Armstrong says, uh, most people only exposure to oil is the cost of gas plus, plus the price at the pump is a lagging indicator. That's true. Brittany complains. I don't have any money. Boy, that's a lot of people right now. Brittany with so many people out of, out of work, but even if you did have money, I wouldn't start with oil. I'd start with an emergency fund, right? Uh, and then, uh, uh, not part of an investment strategy. Somebody else says, and the Annetter says, I'm sticking to my original plan. It's working well for me, which is, I think, a great place to great place to leave that. In just well a, in just a second, Bobby and I are going to have our big uh, takeaways from today's show. But first, want to talk a little bit about Tiller money. Tiller is what I use to manage my money, and it's a great time while you're at home to get your budget together. Your financial life can be in Google Sheets, and even if you're somebody that doesn't like spreadsheets, what you like about Tiller is. There's a whole community of people making uh, making uh, uh, sheets already for you so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Now, the good news is, is that you have all the security of having your own sheet on your own computer. But once a day, everything is automatically updated from all the different places that you give it. So your investments, your bank accounts, uh, places that you owe money to, all your assets, liabilities, your net worth, you can track everything. You can set up, uh, and I set up, different areas of my budget where I only want to spend so much money. And I can give myself alerts that say that, you know what, I overspent in areas. One area I'd love to overspend on sometime soon is restaurants, but I think it's going to be a long time before I eat at a restaurant. 
restaurant again, sadly. I just want somebody to serve me, Bobby. I can't wait to hand a menu to somebody. Yeah, not happening here, sadly. Uh, uh, TillerHQ.com forward slash MWF, and you'll get 20% off your annual subscription if you use our link, TillerHQ.com forward slash MWF. All right, Bobby, what's our takeaway today? Hashtag it is complicated. Just like retail clothing, the economic model here has a lot in it more than the cost of actual goods. Many of the costs involved in getting the oil to consumers is still there. And with demand down so much, supplies will start to adjust. At least I believe so. I know Joe kind of thinks this is going to repeat. I think that the that we're going to cut production. For now, at least, you're probably not putting a whole lot of fuel in your vehicle. So your gas bill is a fraction of what it was. Even if you aren't actually being paid to fuel up, I think gas prices are low enough. I'm good. Yeah, I think this is a, a, a big time when you just need to know what you're getting into before you invest. We always say to make sure that you know why things are the way they are. Just because something's low doesn't mean it's a great opportunity. There are people that are professionals that do this all day long. They create those prices because they know that something's not a good deal, so they sell it. And when prices go really, really low, that's not just a sign that, hey, you're getting a great discount. Like when you head to your favorite store and you find a sweater that's 30% off, this is not the same thing. There's a lot of reasons why prices are low and you should, much like in a discussion where they say, seek to understand before trying to be understood, seek to understand the investment before you buy it. Very well said and so appropriate in this particular instance. Like I said, a lot of us understand how index funds work and so on. And we think we get it when there's an ETF that says oil in the title um, or a mutual fund. But we need to know what we're buying. It's not it's it's not that simple. Yeah, it, it really, really, especially this. It's not. Um, it was fun to dig into today, though, Bobby. Tomorrow we're going to dig into mortgages. But where can people find us? People can find us on Instagram and be part of our polls and quizzes at Money Friends Pod. That is our handle also on Twitter. So please join us and stay close to the stories on Instagram uh, so you can be part of the show, even if you can't join us live on YouTube as we are recording right now. Yeah. And if you do join us on YouTube, you just go to youtube.com, uh, put in money with friends and uh, click the subscribe button. There's also a bell there. So it will alert you when we go live. And if you want to hang out with us, uh, we're generally here on Thursdays or Fridays recording this particular episode. So on behalf of Bobby, I'm Joe. We'll see you guys again on Monday at Money with Friends. Bye-bye. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. Ryan Sini and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Money with Friends.